What brings foreigners to Ukraine? What motivates them to come and help the country at war? What do they find in this country that they don't find at home? You're listening to the Explain Ukraine podcast. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, the chief editor of ukraineworld.org. My guest today is Jabs Holten, a Dutch writer and journalist who volunteered to help Ukraine. He regularly visits Ukraine with his friends to bring cars to soldiers, as well as medical equipment and other aid. He's also the author of the book Three Bags of Ladies' Clothes and a Sniper about his trips to Ukraine and the founder of the charity Protect Ukraine. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Yap, thank you so much for joining this podcast. I'm very happy to be here. So we are in Kyiv, uh, the capital of Ukraine, and you came here with a with a volunteer mission, not only with a journalist mission. So you're a journalist and a writer who became volunteer. Uh, can you tell me this story, your story? Yeah, I'm, I'm from the Netherlands, and I am living in Hungary most of the time. And... Well, already on the second day after the invasion, I came to the border to uh, yeah to bring refugees home to our house in in Hungary, and um, and then for four days I was waiting at the Hungarian-Ukrainian border, and saw all these refugees, and I I saw the desperation. It was the first time for me, and uh, I'm a writer, and I wrote a book about um, what happened to the uh, Hungarian aristocracy in Transylvania during the uh, Soviet uh, occupation there. And I interviewed, for that book, I interviewed many, many people. And for that reason, I, I think for a Dutchman, I know a bit more about the Russians' way of doing things. Um, because I... I interviewed many people who were tortured and who were, uh, well, all the time followed by the Secret Service. And uh, so when in Gerson the people start uh, disappearing, I immediately realized what was happening with them. And yeah, it, it, made, it made me, uh, like I think in the, already in, after a week, I got in, I, with uh, British friends in Budapest, we, we started a WhatsApp group to help Ukrainians. And so I got, I got very fast in contact with Ukrainians, and we had two families with us in our house, Ukrainian families who are far away related to, to my family. And so I, I was immediately completely in, in, in the invasion and in what was happening. And then I, I came very fast to the conclusion that the only way to help would 
to would be to help the Ukrainian army because they are the ones who can stop uh, the Russian aggression. When we Ukrainians look at people like you, we are amazed, we are fascinated because there is so much of empathy and of action in people like you or your friends who are doing these things. Uh, when you look at the society around you in the Netherlands, in maybe Hungary, in maybe other European countries, how how do you how do you see the degree of empathy to Ukrainians and a willingness to help? Well, Hungary and the Netherlands are two very very different uh, cases. In the Netherlands, the empathy is very high and. I don't know why exactly, but I think the downing of the plane, the MIS-17, uh, has to do a lot with it. So I think for that reason, uh, the Dutch and the Dutch journalism and politics and the, the people are very aware. Um, and and I think in the Netherlands, we, yeah, I think also what is very important is that the the courage and um, of the Ukrainian people, um, I think, touched uh, the heart of many people uh, in the Netherlands. And and that is... So there are, like like me and my friends, we, we started an organization that is called Protect Ukraine. And we, we raised yeah, quite a lot of money. And... Uh, and also explaining that 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 we 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 focus on helping the army, and that the Netherlands is by by itself a, a quite pacifistic country because we are always trading with the whole world. That's how we make money as a country. So we want to be friends with everybody, and we always have the protection of the United States because. Together with Great Britain, we are the most Anglo-Saxon and the most uh, Atlantic country in Europe. So we are very close to the Americans. Uh, and I think that has also to do with, with the, the attitude of the Dutch. Um, you see that in the newspapers in the Netherlands, all the time there's a lot of... Also after one and a half year of invasion, still is, every day it's in the newspapers. And every day, yeah, and and even the Volkskrant, it's I think at the, this moment the best newspaper in the in the Netherlands. You can see what are the the best read articles, and it's nearly always about Ukraine. So it really lives very much with with the Dutch audience, and um, and I think also because we now two times we w we came with a convoy of cars uh, to to Ukraine with friends. And this group of friends, it's all my, fr I initiated it. So it is friends I have. It consists of writers and rugby players. And it's a very nice combination. And um, because of that, that there were, last time we were with five writers, it also gets a lot of attention in the Netherlands. And that, that helps us again to, to raise funds because we need money. We need money to buy cars and drones and helmets and uh, tunicats and everything. So that's so, and because we, uh, we collect money and we are in contact uh, always with uh, units and with soldiers, 
we ask them what they need. So we can uh, really buy what they need. And we buy always new and always really good quality. Because my idea is you can better bring nothing than bring something of a bad quality. And it's very uh, remarkable always the tourniquets that we bring. Always all the soldiers check them very well. Because when you have a Chinese tourniquet, it will kill you. And um, it will kill your friend. And um, so that's one of the things that you see that quality is. So is for our, our audience, which probably don't know who what tourniquets are, is the those equipment that helps stop bleeding on, yeah. the, on the battlefield. And of course, they are very vital because if you really succeed in stopping bleeding the wound, you can actually save the soldier for future operation, future surgery, for example, if, if he or she needs it. So you're a writer who not only writes and explains, which is in itself a very, very dignified uh, task, uh, explains what's going on, but you also, through your writing, you get these funds. And you brought already several dozens of cars, right? Yes, I think now we, we brought like 25 cars. I mean, we also sometimes help because we also work together with a with drone uh, factory. So an old friend of a friend who is producing drones and we help them with a lot of cars. And we also helped a few times with ambulances through um, friends. Because what I did do, I the first time I had been in Ukraine a uh, long time ago, twice, I'm a... I, I think one of the very best writers existing is Isaac Babel. And he is from Odessa. So I, like 20 years ago, I went to Odessa to, to see, to the literary museum there, to see the glasses of Isaac Babel. They're there. And um, so, I, but I, my, my knowledge about Ukraine was very superficial, absolutely superficial. And, and I think... Well, in that sense, like like most people in the West, we we didn't know a lot about Ukraine, and I think that in I think that is one of the yeah it is crazy, but a positive thing about the war that people everybody knows Ukraine and how yeah amazing the people are living in this country. So when you bring cars, you obviously talk to soldiers. You bring this, and you have this direct communication, face to face, eye to eye. And uh, what what have you learned by talking to Ukrainian soldiers and Ukrainian civilians through all these trips? Yeah, what I think is is amazing is how strong the um, the drive and the will to 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 serve the collective in a very positive way, and and even are willing to die for it and i think that is incredibly impressive and i think also because when i come with all these friends here that is what everybody is so impressed by the the, the how how people are ready to die for for the collective and mostly very very good people very intelligent people of people who one and a half year ago were still farmer or or whatever uh, <laughs> in a think think tank or so um that that is very impressive and um 
what um, and also what impresses us is how thankful they are for the things that we bring um, so I think there is really a gap in in stu- stuff and tools needed uh, for for the army and you see that the Western help is is going very slow and uh, bureaucratic. And I think also still the Ukrainian army is a little bit uh, quite Soviet bureaucratic system with a lot of paperwork. And because we are in direct contact, we often we can be very fast. Uh, we Two months ago, the 36 Marines needed uh, 50 helmets and in about two weeks they are they are there by Nova Posta, what works very well. So we, we do uh, not only these convoys with cars that we bring, but we also um, uh, finance helmets and drones and things here. But I came for the first time alone in May last year in 2022, um, driving into the country and I, I don't speak the language I I'm very uh, unprofessional with my phone so I had no phone telling me directions and all the uh, names of the cities were removed so I could only drive looking uh, to the sun where the, where the east and west was so I really had to find my way into Ukraine and I then I took a lot of tools for Cherniv that was just freed uh, for the to restore the wa- waterworks, and I think to to drive alone into to Ukraine was was for me, yeah, very impressive. And then I saw, and it made me realize how much because in the West we we all admire very much your president, uh, Mr. Zelensky. Um, but what I realized driving into Ukraine, how much it was from uh, bottom up, this whole resistance, because you saw every village, every city had his own kind of improvised bunkers at the, at the border of the city. And um, all these buildings that was made with, with I basically, I think, with the locals, with tractors and, and uh, moving trees and pieces of concrete. And then I, I realized you, you can never win from the Ukrainians. You, you can perhaps exterminate them, but you can never win. And what is also um, plays a role in, in my knowledge, or that I'm perhaps more aware than, than the, the average Dutchman, is that I live in Hungary and uh, my father-in-law was fighting the Russians in the street in 56 uh, as a young boy. And so this is a very strong story in the family. And this, I see even in my children that they all know this grandfather who was fighting in the streets against the Russians. So there's a, there's a very strong uh, yeah, realization about how brutal this is and I I just bought like an hour ago this wonderful little book that is only appearing on the 1st of November it's called Russian Colonialism by Maxim Eristavi it is about all the colonialism all the countries that Russia 
invaded and, and always with the same tactics, gaslighting, invading and then exterminating. And um, it is basically the, the same method that the mafia always uses. It is so. Maxim Aristavi has been my colleague uh, on Hromatske television in Ukraine, so I know him very well. Um, and if you, Maxim, uh, listens to your this podcast, so you see, uh, Yab just brought your book, and and this is very good. Yeah, but I did do it illegally because it, it will only. A- be for sale at the first of November, but I, I persisted that I okay. had to buy it. <laughs> so tell me, uh, sometimes it's it's very difficult uh, when we are in the Europe, like for, for me as a Ukrainian, it's sometimes very difficult to persuade that people in Europe need also to support Ukrainian army. Okay, there are humanitarian needs, there are medicine, there are foodstuff, there are some other things. And this is, I mean, people have empathy to that. But... Uh, Collecting funds for the cars, for example, for the Ukrainian army is, is extremely difficult. I mean, in, in Europe, in my experience. So we, for example, we also bring cars to the front line, but mostly we rely upon these little donations by every Ukrainian, I mean, by Ukrainian citizens. And we collect, collect, collect. Uh, sometimes people also send us from abroad, but not that uh, often. How to persuade what you say, how to persuade uh, that it's, it's indeed, when you fund the Ukrainian army, it's not that you fund uh, killers or that you fund people who want, or you fund militarism, you really fund the defense. And uh, if there is no Ukrainian army, Ukrainian civilian lives will be not protected, will be lost. Yes, well, I, I say it in very simple words. I think the only ones who can stop the the torturing, the killing, the raping, the kidnapping of children is the Ukrainian army. And I think slowly people start to realize that. And um, but but yeah, people in the West are sometimes a bit naive or 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 yeah, I don't know. And and also, we spoke about this between you and me earlier about this uh, very bourgeois idea of when you are doing business with everybody, there will be peace, and you will always, everybody will be better off, and and you don't need an army. And I think that is also uh, we we I think in Western Europe we lived. Uh, for 30 years in this false idea of safety and we wake up now slowly and I think with every um, cruelty that is is done by the Russians here and and is be seen in the news and in the West it, it to this realization this wake-up call will be clearer and I try to help with that and I try to um, but it is a, I wrote a, a book about my first half year coming here because I've now it's the sixth time or the seventh time because the first time in March I went because my wife didn't want me to go to Ukraine in March. I went illegally in the night one time. Um, but um, I, I wrote a book about that and, and in a, in, in a, you also have to balance because you cannot people when there is too much cruelty 
people cannot. Uh, they they want they don't want to hear it. You they will escape, and I think that is also the the task of of a writer, or a journalist, or a philosopher, or an artist to to try to cons- to bring this message in a way that you you can handle it, and for that reason I think also this Russian colonialism book by your friend or colleague is brilliant because it is. It has a kind of lightness that you can digest it. And in my book also, I, I write about everything that I encounter in this country. And only one time, because I traveled once a week with a sniper. It was an American uh, ex-Marine who came to, to Ukraine. And that the first time I went, that night that I went into Ukraine, I met him by, by accident. And... I traveled with him for one week and he told me all the stories that what he what he had been doing and he he was often dropped uh, behind uh, Russian lines to uh, search for officers he was a sniper and um, that that brought for me the, the war very very close by but and he told me about Bucha because he was there immediately when it was freed and I I used I wrote one chapter one about what happened there because I I think people should realize what happens but you cannot when you would write a whole book about that I think nobody would read it that's the very difficult thing yeah what are some other stories probably that you you faced here in Ukraine that that really made you rethink something something very deeply and what what are those stories that you bring to your people in the Netherlands or in Hungary that you would tell your friends yeah it, it is the well what I saw on the first trip also to to Chernihiv, the, the complete destruction and the and the, the the power of the people who were... When I was in Geneva, it was only freed, I think, for three weeks. But they were already mowing the grass and they were <laughs> refixing this, this city. And so that is one of the things that I, that I tell. And the other thing is that, that many of the soldiers that I met and I, that I give uh, cars or helmets or they start crying and uh, they say, you come all the way from the Netherlands and here in Ukraine are people who are not even helping, you know. And you see it when you're in Kiev, you see the big uh, Mercedeses and the Porsche Cayennes and I, I don't know what these people are doing. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the, the need for, for all this stuff. Um, and the... Yeah, what so many people say to, to, to me and to us is that we will, we will never surrender. Um, and this, so this, this is something that, that I think we all admire. And I think that, that, that it are mostly writers and rugby players uh, who come with me and are all want to come with me to bring the cars. It's, I think it is typical because I think that writers perhaps think a little bit more about this everything. And the rugby players, I think, admire the the Ukrainian people for 
they are like a rugby scrum, you know. They, they, and that that's something, and that is also something that I, as a writer, I never liked masses, or I never liked it to. I'm a little bit. I never can stay too long in a group. I always have this feeling that I, I'm spoiling my time. That I have to go back to my writing table, and. I, I never have the desire to to belong to a bigger thing than myself, but here in Ukraine, uh, all the time, I I liked it to be part of a kind of uh, uh, army of people who try to help, and I because I came off always with a big uh, Toyota Hilux with a big uh, space in it. I had to bring flour to the the bread bakers, the women in uh, Chernihiv who were baking bread and uh, all the time I had to bring uh, things to the military in Hostomel I had to everywhere they immediately wanted to use my car and I in some way I, I also loved it that in it was not a, only about my ego but about being part of a bigger thing and, and helping and uh, what in this war is, is is for me extremely clear that it is a, a it's a battle between good and evil. I mean, the ways the Russians behave is so extremely evil that that there is no doubt <laughs> about. Uh, and so, what I th- be, I think me and all my friends we also feel very good about you know doing this we we like it and it is funny because many of my friends already are back by train by now in the netherlands and and they say that they miss it they want to come back they, and what most of them also like is the kind of anarchistic atmosphere in this country this kind of cossack resistance and i was uh, <coughs> yesterday uh, the day before yesterday i was in um, um Dnipro, bringing there for the army a few cars, and <coughs> driving back in the night to Kiev, I saw all these lonely uh, trucks of the army going very fast to Kiev, and it, I thought these are like Cossacks on their horse, and uh, it's yeah. Uh, you can also have another metaphor which I come across is that most most of these cars are Japanese. Um, the Mitsubishi Nissans, um, where else, uh, Toyotas, and uh, this is kind of a combination of this Cossack and Samurai spirit, right? So we can we can also think about this. Tell me about this group, uh, your group, so people who really want to come with you. You say they are writers and, and rugby players. Uh, what do you think motivates them to come here? Uh, well... <coughs> I think, and and I think also your president again did do an amazing job in making sure that the West heard about everything and about what happens in this country. Because it, with another president, it could also have been, or with it, it could also have been that there was no reaction. But I think it made so clear. Um, yeah, that a much smaller country fights to to a to a bigger force and is not willing to surrender. And I think this incredible courageous standing and not uh, giving in to t- 
tyranny is something that inspires it inspires me and it inspires i think many people in the west uh, that it is possible to do be not corrupt and to stand for your idea and for your freedom and i think especially because the netherlands in itself is very um a compromised country we always we have many parties and we always try to get to a compromise so the dutch are in itself very much like compromises but i think how uncompromised the ukrainians are i think many people love that and admire that and especially the rugby players and also when i because i try to form a group that works well together so it's a whole new business that i'm in as a writer so i it, i for me there were many new things because i became a fundraiser i'd never been that i became an activist i've never been that i became an organizer of convoys i've never been that i had to buy army stuff i've never never done that so all these things were new for me but uh, to be honest also exciting um, and i think this is also for all the others it's exciting because they tell me that they they miss it that they are in the netherlands where everything is so organized and then they, they miss being here and um, so i think it motivates them to know that you do something that is really needed that it's good um, but that is also an, an adventure so it we we i have to admit that so it is also people also it also gives themselves a good feeling um, that's part of it yeah maybe my last question there is uh, this always there is a talk about ukraine fatigue or something like that and for us ukrainians it's, it's very very strange to hear because we we don't have a possibility to have a fatigue fatigue tiredness is uh, something real but also something a luxury we cannot afford being tired right because if we are tired we will no longer leave but what can you tell to those people who feel that fatigue about ukraine in the west yes that that's difficult because it's also something that worries me and um i, I know the netherlands i mean in hungary it's a complete different story because there are you it's more the russian propaganda that is uh, spread there but um i think well i think the, the to to fight russian propaganda is is very important i think also they love this fatigue story so i think they will always try to uh, put a lot of attention to that and um but it is a real danger the fatigue because it is and um I don't know what to tell, but I, I think I am convinced uh, very strongly that that this war cannot be lost. I mean, it, the Ukrainians must win, uh, and not only for the Ukrainians, but for the whole world, and for I mean, for everybody who likes to have a democratic system and not an authoritarian system, because it will be when the Russians win this. Um, it will be such a boost for all all people who have the same kind of authoritarian desires for for china and erdogan and whoever um 
So I think at this this war absolutely we we and Ukrainians we must win it and so I will continue with my friends doing what we are doing and we I will try to get attention for it in the Dutch media uh, when I come back now I will write an article for the Financial Dagblad it's very influential and um, we will continue and we We'll come back in January with the next uh, convoy with with many cars, and and in the meantime we assist with buying drones and everything and developing. And yeah, we have to win this war. There's no, I think the whole whole world <laughs> we cannot surrender to the Russians. Thank you very much, Yap, for this conversation and for all what you're doing. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of ukraineworld.org. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Let me remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.